Wait for it. Ah, we're finally live. It's got a mind of its own. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. But uh, Doc, I'm enjoying the uh, the light show. Um, I feel like I'm at a rave. It's like 1990 again. Uh, but you're not wearing all the black lipstick. So, I mean, you could do better. I mean, if you're going to go full rave. You, you don't even have a face. That's because I melted the camera. All right. Hey, all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans, it's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just three nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies. A place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place. We are the podcast that puts the fun in dysfunction. It's true, Doc Certifiable. But uh, without further ado... (laughs) Without further ado, we're going to let our guests, and I'm going to see if I can pronounce this... Maggie Dunbrock. Is that right? Yep. Same zip code at least. Close yep. enough. All right. Can you tell uh can you introduce yourself to us for your for our listeners and viewers? Hi everybody. I'm Maggie Dunbrock and I am a fantasy uh dark fantasy author. Um I like to twist Greek myths. Um, and make them even more dark and uh, make them fit the world I created. And that's what I do. Okay. So are you pro or anti-Zeus? I mean, do you hide from him or you try to date him? Um, I am anti-Zeus. Okay. Now that we've got the important questions out of the way. All right. The next part of the introduction, Doc, don't give me that look. The next part of the introduction is how we found them. So I actually found her on the bookish side of Instagram when I was trolling for potential guests. And uh, she said, yes, a bunch of them thought I was weird. It happens. And uh, here we are. They're not wrong. You're weird. I mean, I I sent a really nice cold message like, hey, you don't know who I am, but I have a book podcast and I want to nerd out about your stuff. I don't know how hard that is. They always assume it's a scam. It, it, That's the problem with it. It was the a lot less weird than a lot that I get. That's, well, that's improvement, Doc. I'm I'm making <laughs> I'm making strides. I mean, you know. Good job, JR. I'm so right, proud of you. Okay. Now, the part, Doc. now into religion, Star Wars, Star Trek, or Firefly. I know this is probably going to start some fights, but Firefly is the only way to go. Nah, that's not going to start. Nothing wrong with that. They can never take the sky from me. (laughs) Can never take the sky from me, Doc. I feel like that is just the the most underrated show ever, and they really, really messed up not giving us more and killing off Watt. We, that I is because Fox News is not Fox News. Fox Entertainment is where good shows go to die. Exactly. And this was the DVR age, and they never started it on time. And back then, your DVR would record it by time slot, not by show. So they, of course, they would change the time all the time, bump it for various games and stuff. And so even people that wanted to watch it couldn't. And then they showed it out of order. It was just mismanaged from the floor up. They should have hired Doc. She could have gotten him on track. I do make things happen. That's why you're still here. He tries to kill people and stab them. So I don't that's really generally a good stab them. I just smile at them and go, "Do we really want to see what happens next?" And they figure it out. <laughs> and they ask All right, we got one more religion question for her. Okay, Game of Thrones. Gives them the mom look is what she does. 
Game of Thrones, The Wheel of Time, or Conan the Barbarian? Uh, I am definitely a Game of Thrones fan. You like? Grimdark? I mean, it is suitably dark for you. Yeah, yeah, it, it's right up my alley. I mean, I like, I like the Jason Momoa Conan the Barbarian. Like, you know, I'm totally there for the plot, but um, oh yeah, yeah, totally about the plot. I mean, no shirt. Well, I mean, plot. I mean, you know, you do what you got to do. But for someone who's 536 years old, you, I mean, you've seen a lot. So that does affect your, your choices. They are. And if you want to know what that joke's they about, are. you should check Don't out her uh, Amazon age. page. She talked about yeah. her age. You should really go read her Amazon profile, I people. did read her Amazon You will profile. die laughing. It doesn't mean you bring it up. Gosh. Your mother. Well, after they laugh. Fix you. All right. Give her a call afterwards. But once they're done laughing, maybe they'll buy her books. Maybe you'll buy her books if I if I have any strong possibility that, uh, <laughs> that can get over the profile and you know and the the darkness of it. I laughed I, so hard it was amazing. You did it wonderfully. Ignore the haters; they got nothing to say that's worth listening to. I always feel right, like God. haters have their place because. Um, in the fantasy world, you know, Sarah J. Mass um, has the A Court of Thorns and Roses series, and she has a whole fandom that is dedicated to hating her and talking nonstop shit about her. And but they still buy her books just to be able to stay current on what they need to talk shit about. So, sales. I mean, I mean, I think your profile is blurb is definitely one that it will bring in the readers who are going to like your work and that that is key so I mean there was there was one fandom I can't remember it was the um, it was one of the fantasy urban fantasy authors who got kicked out of his own fan club because they didn't Jim agree Butcher. with his answer Jim about Butcher. why he was Jim Butcher Jim there Butcher. we go that's fantastic you heard the story I to be like that <laughs> I've met Butcher. I've heard. Right. Okay. So we have to start your fan club just so we can kick you out of it in like week one. Okay. We got yes. goals now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Doc. Keep going. Okay. So which is your first love? Sci-fi or fantasy? Definitely fantasy. And what was your first memory of engaging in speculative fiction? Uh, Xena the Warrior Princess. I remember it used to come on every week um, at, on Tuesdays, and we'd watch that. Um, and it was like the best thing ever, had the best graphics. And uh, I like that they had a mixture of Celtic mythology and Greek mythology all in one. And then shortly after that, they had the Hercules spinoff. Um, and I just actually, Sorbo was amazing. Well, I think that was first. Yeah, that one that one actually yeah. technically came first, but, but I was like six when it came out. So, but yeah, I mean, I mean, it's okay because Lucy Lucy Lawless really is the best. She really is. So I mean, uh, when I watched I I watched that show growing up too, and she was my first crush. So I, I you know, something <laughs> like, about her jumping around and like whacking people. I know, and her shotgun and everything that was like a boomerang and always came back. It was super Oh, yeah, cool. no. Totally amazing. Yes. Yeah. 
Gabriel was pretty awesome too. She had an amazing uh, like character arc from like helpless waif to quasi badass herself with that stick. Yeah. So that was uh, kind of nice. I'm a little less, I know, Doc. Less, uh, I wish she would have got killed in the series and she would have got another. Wait, what? Yeah. I, 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 I'm, I'm laughing because I have known more than a few people who are like that. Okay, so so defend that position. Why did you want her killed and why did you think she needed to be replaced? She's so whiny I, for so long. I hate the uh, the people that struggle for righteousness and think that everybody is good no matter what. Um, it just it just irritates me. Even from a young age, I'm like, oh, she's insufferable. Like, mm-mm. So you didn't think she served as a good foil to the uh, um, very grim and um, utilitarian nature that Zena sort of put out there? I mean, if you want happiness in a dark in a dark story, I prefer like I don't care about having any light characters whatsoever. I mean, so my from a young age, I knew I was going to be a dark fantasy and grim dark author, like. The ones that are drawn okay. to the light, you're going to burn in my world. I mean, my problem with, with <laughs> her story arc uh, of being so naive, the naive part really went on too long. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, yeah, I get you're a little naive, but you don't need to be a naive Bambi character for more than a season. Yeah, even like when the, when she got uh, pregnant by Dayhawk. And her, they knew that her child was evil and whatever else. And I get it. It's your kid. But if your kid's trying to kill you, I'm sorry, but you're going to get got first. Like at some point you have to realize that, you know, it, nothing's going to change. And it's just insane to keep thinking the same thing. JR, are you okay? Can you survive this process? She just she just wanted to kill my darlings. I might need a moment. All right. So, <laughs> what is it about? What is it about the genre of speculative wait, wait, fiction? You want to think for the mother and the daughter? That yeah. sounds like therapy yeah. for you. Okay, let's go back, back to the important person here. No, 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 no. I meant Gabriel. She wanted to kill Gabriel. I didn't care for the kid. That was just you a, said darlings, yeah. plural. No, not Zena's kid. It's, Gabrielle's kid. No, I. No, I was saying darling as in kill Gabriel. Oh. It was just an expression. Authors say kill their darlings when they're talking about killing their character. Uh-huh. You're weird, Doc. It's okay. We like you anyway. So what is it about speculative fiction as a genre that you like so much? Um, I like that I have the absolute freedom to do anything within my uh, world building that would seem insane and... Um, in our world and I just get a roll with it no matter how messed up it is. I there's always a way to justify it. Okay. Sci-fi we have hand wavium. You have magic in your fantasy. It works. Mm-hmm. So how did your love of speculative fiction as a genre transition into you writing stories in this space? You said you knew from a young age, but like I also wanted to be a dinosaur when I grew up. So what we think we're going to be and what we actually become are I mean, not always the same. I mean, you are a dinosaur, that... just a human version. Yeah. Ooh. 
burn. Absolutely. But so how did you uh, how did you transition into actually writing? Well, when I was younger, I wanted to be a soldier and I did that for five years. And so when that ended, I needed a new goal and um, went into bodybuilding and decided I didn't like that as much. And then I was a mom and now I'm a writer and I actually enjoy this <laughs> this stage of my life being a writer. Um, so those stories that shaped me and gave me like a passion to do, um, you know, fantasy and um, live in it. That's, that's what I'm doing now. And um, trying out different things that I didn't like made it even more of um, even more clear that, you know, being a writer is something that I've always done, always liked to do. And I stayed within those stories and now I'm here. So this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. Awesome. So many authors sort of let their own real life experiences influence the way they tell stories. So do you think there's any one moment that you can define that shaped you as a storyteller? Um, I... Yes, I had, uh, you know, some moments in when I was in the army that I think still shape um, the way I write my stories, or at least what happens to my characters and like how they process things, um, good and bad things. Um, and I definitely bring that into my story because I feel like a lot of people um, can identify with certain elements. Okay. So you mentioned, we've talked about that you were in the, in the U S army. So we ask all of our authors who are also veterans this question, but how do you feel like your time in uniform affects the stories you tell? I mean, we're dancing. Okay. Going to like get a music contract. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. You don't know that. Um, <laughs> Nobody wants I, uh, to see you dance I got anymore. to experience a lot of, um, different cultures and places and people and diversity when I was in the army. Um, and so I write about like far off places that like the Middle East in my books, um, that those feature predominantly, um, in, in a couple of books that I have. Um, and then, you know, different people, um, I have lots of accents in my book, um, different skin tones. Um, and so I think that just being there and getting out of something, you know, the places that I was raised really, uh, showed me how to add different, um, different things into my story. Okay. Do you ever draw on people you served with? When um, you write? I have, I have quite a few people that um, are the bad guys in my story that I've liked to kill um, and have died in my stories. <laughs> and then I have um, a couple of like, I have a really cool first sergeant that I'm still friends with um, for Sergeant Colley. He's super dope. And um, he was always really nice and really happy. And I have a couple of characters modeled after him. Wait, he was a happy first sergeant? He was. He was super chill. That's awesome. They're not. He liked his job he and he liked mentoring. 
yeah, he liked mentoring his soldiers and helping them become the better version of, of themselves. And he was a huge influence um, on me and a lot of other people. Um, oh, no, I, I, I had a first sergeant who was kind of like that. And one who was very much the opposite. Oh, yeah, we had one really bad after him. I was like, God, I'm going to get out. Yeah, those are the people that make people leave. They're like, um, bye. Yeah, bye. <laughs> so we've mentioned how your time in uniform affects the way you tell stories, but does it affect the way you engage with content as a reader? Um, not really. I don't have uh, a whole lot of triggers. Um maybe it probably made my ADHD a little bit worse being in the army. Um, and I have a brain injury now, so, um, I can't you and me both, sister. Long periods of time. Are, so you, are other a brain than that, you know, other than that, no, <laughs> but other than that, you had a blast in, in overseas, right? Oh yeah, totally. Like if I could, I, that's all I ever planned on doing was being in the army. Like if I could do that all over again, I would, my husband's living the dream. He just hit 20 years, um, this year and everything. And he's still in, and I kind of want to, uh, slice his Achilles for it, but you know, I'll, I'll let him stay in a while longer. I mean, that would be a great grim dark ending. Right. And she just, cut his legs i mean i mean you do what you got to do right i'm, I'm not sure. judging um and i will say they do they did tell us at the tbi clinic at the va that the the writing's actually good for your your brain it's exercise so oh, it's really? not it's therapy right you, you okay. that's your yeah i just wish writing the, the, burned as many calories if you talk yeah. to my editor because i just she just finished one of my stories for this year. She would tell you otherwise that maybe I should, you know, have more exercises to do with writing and less with rambling. I mean, you do what you got to do. I don't judge. But Doc, you get to ask your favoriteest questions, the one you added to the template, the fandom question. The fandom question. So have you... Uh had anybody cosplay one of your characters or do some amazing fan art yet? Um, I haven't had anybody uh, cosplay anything or that, but my fandom um, is about 150 people and they are very loyal. And, you know, if I'm ever in a fight, they are definitely the people I am going to call. Um, they're very active in my Facebook group and we always have a good time talking about stuff and they enjoy my content and See, that's, so. what, you know, uh, social media people, gurus, like marketing people will tell you that's actually more important than a bazillion people who are like, Oh, cool. Exactly. You know, I think I'm that's very, actually motivating. I'm very, I'm very lucky. I've been blessed. Uh, my first novel um, is called Tears of Silver Shadows. And it was like a beautifully written book. It captivated so many people. Like I had, I had a lot of people seek me out and be like, do you have a group? Like, we just want to interact with you. The story changed my life. Aww. And so it was like, 
my first time as a author that I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm living all of my dreams and everything. And so this book has just continued to um, build build those relationships. So it's super special. And then we go in and joke on the Facebook group and everyone has a shit time. It's great. That's awesome. So what is your funniest fan interaction? Um, or weirdest. You can go funny or weird. Funny or weird. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, it could have been talking to JR. We get it. I know I said something uh, earlier today when he was asking me what I was um, about that question, but I actually had, I had someone come up and sniff me one time. Um, I was, I was just walking and I had my kids with me. So they about got punched in the face, um, you know, as they my kids, uh, but they, they walked up and they're like, are you Maggie Dunbrock? And I was like, yes, like what's up? And they just full on went for it. They sniffed me from like right below my chest all the way up in one long sniff and was like, can I have some of your hair? Like three red strands. And it was very like Lord of the Rings esque, you know, fellowship of the ring. Um, when Gimli asks Galadriel for, her hair. And I was like, absolutely not. I know all about voodoo and I am not going to wind up like Kathy Bates's captive author in misery. So yeah, no, that sounds scary. <laughs> they were I mean, like, super happy. I think that they're just like, you know, cause if I saw an author, I might do something like drool, like openly, um, that I was in love with, I might drool or like, you know, something and they just wanted to be memorable and they definitely are. <laughs> I mean, they could be very mellow and just really rolled like a one on the social skills that day. Yeah. <laughs> so have you, what was it like, have you had somebody ask to sign, have you signed one of their books and what was I that like this time? Um, so um, I, in the pickup line to get my um, preschooler, I was talking to a couple of the parents and they asked me for my information um, when I told them I was an author. And he actually went and bought um, both of my books, excuse me, that I had Aww. out. And um, he read them like one weekend, both of them, and then came and... Uh, surprised me in the pickup line and asked me to sign both of the books for him. And he's actually on my ARC team um, and everything. So he gets to participate yeah. in the fun. If my PTA was that cool, I might actually participate instead right? of avoiding. I, I avoid them. I like feel that. that. They send me emails <laughs> and they're like, hey, I'm like, no. You're like, no, please don't lay down. They're like, can you send in a Switch game case for a decoration? I went, am I going to get it back? They're like, no. And I'm like, then no. <laughs> no, those are expensive. Yeah, it was it was super cool. And he, uh, we've just built like a nice relationship. I feel it's important to like make those connections when people are excited to see you and, um, you know, make sure that you build 
connections and friendships with your reader base because they are the reason why you should be writing. Well, I mean, definitely if you're, if you're going to alienate your fans, why do it? Mm-hmm. Or at least you have be courteous enough to be a hermit. Exactly. Like don't go out in public. Like don't share pictures of yourself. I've had several people um, in the author community that I was just like so excited to interact with, especially on TikTok. And I had several that just made it a horrible experience. And I literally like gave away their books to Goodwill and not pick up another book for them. So I definitely want to make sure that nobody feels that way when they come into my Oh, you're nicer than I am. I had one author I didn't even give them to Goodwill. I put them in the trash. I always, I always feel bad, like, cause I'm like, oh, I could burn those or I could like throw them away. But then I'm like, well, there's people out there that are less fortunate that can't buy a new book. And, you know, it'll be my contribution to, to them to give away this author's book that I do not like anymore. That is a very generous thing of you. <laughs> I'm just saying. So. Um, JR, don't worry. It wasn't your book that I threw out. (laughs) Okay, that's good. So uh, this is the part where we ask you, Maggie, uh, about everything you've written. So obviously we've got the book we're here about, but what else are you, uh, are you famous for? Um, so I have, um, my book, Tears of Silver Shadows. I'm going to show everybody it. Hold on. I'll put you solo screen so you can show it. Uh, show it again, please. Figure out how to. Oh, that's Ooh, pretty I like cover. That. So, um, it features uh, the Moon Goddess Saloon and her mortal lover. Um, it wasn't there wasn't a whole lot to go on that mythology, so I had great liberties to create my own world and my own story, and it's heavily twisted. There's creature myths in it, and um, and uh, nice imagery of the starscapes and like what the God Pantheon in my world looks like. So you get to meet that. Um, And that one's published. And then I also have a, um, a spicy, um, a spicy dark fantasy romance that's coming out this (laughs) summer in the works um, with. That's the man looking over your shoulder. Oh, no, this is for Shadow and Brimstone. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that that is our main male character behind behind us. But the princess and the paladin is about um, an orc and spicy orc smut. So if you're into that, keep an eye out. Um, there is and then a, I have a, a market, I have been assured. Do what? There, I, I have been assured there's a market. There is. <laughs> I feel slightly awkward writing it, but I'm also having a ton of fun. So you know that's great, and I think when you have that kind of fun as an author, it comes across to the readership. Oh yeah, you can definitely tell. Like um, Tears of Silver Shadows was a passion project of mine. I wrote it in probably like three months, and it was a near perfect novel um, for what I liked. And it was just like full of passion and emotion. And then the one I gave my editor that she just finished, I'm like, I'm going to write this book in a month. 
and it's going to be fantastic and it's literally shit. So don't, don't, don't do that. Like right from, right from passion, like make sure you want to do it and just not want to pump out a book. I feel like, and I've been told by somebody who has both a PhD and a novel that this is fairly true is you should study what you love because by the end of it, you're going to hate it. So if you don't like it to start with, you're really screwed. And it's the same with novels. Mm -hmm. So I I agree with that. All right. Well, obviously that all sounds fast. That all sounds fascinating, but we're going to pause for a moment while we shamelessly shill for the man. Here comes your next romp in the graveyard in hunters for hire, a new urban fantasy adventure by best-selling author, Jonathan Yanez. A guy down on his luck puts sign twirling and rideshare driving on the back burner to track down the supernatural for a pretty penny. Find out what happens when John Hunter enters the secret underworld. Download your copy and start listening today. Now available on Amazon and Audible. Man, I need to do one. Do you need a moment, Doc? No, I'm fine. What? Okay, just checking. Just checking. When I was previewing the commercial, my mom was like, oh, play it again. I'm like, oh, no. Mom. So, um, I mean, it's 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 just so funny because it's all like sexy sounding and Jonathan's such a sweet, like innocent looking <laughs> seeming sweetie pie. It's funny the dichotomy. It is. So obviously uh, we appreciate you sticking with us through that commercial interlude, dear listener. Um, but this is where we dive into the book Shadow and Brimstone. So where did you come up with the premise for this universe? And how did you come up with the idea for the series? Was it psychedelics, Ouija board, uh, expired MREs? Like orc smut. <laughs> the orc smut. Also possible. <laughs> Do um, not Google that. There might be products that will change your world and we don't want to be responsible. Or images and, you know, make sure you're 18 plus if you're Googling that. Um, I, uh... I have always loved Hades and Persephone, the Greek tale, and um, it is my favorite mythology. Um, and so I decided to take that and twist it. And uh, I feature, so I call them a reimagination. Um, and so it features elements of the traditional story, why, while also, um, while also like being my own thing. Like you can definitely pick up that it's um, a Hades and Persephone tale, um, but I like to give more power to the character that plays Persephone in my novel. Um, I give her her own powers and her own like freedom to make her own choices, which the traditional... Persephone didn't have a whole lot of and so that was one thing that I really wanted to do is make a strong female uh, character for that and then the world of the Faderoth um, is I don't know I just came up with it one day and I was like oh this sounds cool like let's throw everybody into this world and it's pretty much a dangerous wasteland of mythology and uh, fae creatures and things that will either beguile or kill you. So it's pretty fantastic. You, you got a little too happy talking about all the things that will kill you. 
I know. It's pretty much it makes up there. every story. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Doc. The next question is you before she she's making me nervous. It's okay, JR. Nobody cares about it anyways. <laughs> so what would be the age range for this story? Um, I think that like 16 plus could read it and be okay. I feature like um, a lot of angst and one vanilla spicy scene in it. Um, so if like your parents are okay with you reading something vanilla spicy, um, then I would recommend 16 and up, but anyone less than that, no. That, that is fair and very honest, particularly cause like, I mean, dark academia isn't always like 16 and up, but definitely it's worth knowing for sure before you get too far yeah. into it. And, um, because it would suck to be like, nope, you can't read it anymore. And you're like, but I'm already hooked. Yeah, yeah, I already want to read it. Like, come on. So let's put this cover up because it is a really amazing cover. JR, that's your cue. There, JR figured out how to do it. So this is an amazing No, it just didn't like me. <laughs> we don't like you. We knew this. Oh, wait. No, the electronic source. It's so, like me, it glitched. Can you tell us how you came up with this cover? Um, so I actually use an amazing cover designer named Molly Phipps of We've Got You Covered Book Designs. Um, and I, her and I have worked together multiple times, and I just throw random elements at her. And uh, for this one, I was like, I want a three-headed dog. I want some skeletal hummingbirds, bones, and scythes. Um, and she came up with this absolutely gorgeous cover. And it's all to her. Like, I just throw random things at her. And she puts her magic together and comes out with this. I mean, it's great. It's, so. it's really striking. Yeah, it's definitely one if particularly for people who are buying ebooks that's going to stand out in mm -hmm. that genre. Yeah, so. I really wanted to make sure that this one you could definitely tell that this was not a romance story that it was not. And even I still have people telling me, "I can't wait to read your love story." And I'm like, "It's not a love story. Like, how do you get that from the cover?" Um the cover is like the embodiment of this story like you'll get into it and you'll start reading and you'll be like oh that's that's where that cover element comes from and you'll be able to pick it out and so some people will see romance when they want it and that's there's just, just roll with it i have a well, romance uh, subplot but it's a very subplot i mean i love the i love covers when they're either you can see where they connect straight back to the book when you're reading it. Mm -hmm. I think it's a, a wonderful touch. So what is it about? Now, is this a series? I know I'm asking this a bit. Yes. Okay, it will be. So what is it that makes this really special in the dark fantasy genre? Um, <laughs> um, to me... I have um, Twisted uh, Caron the Ferryman 
Um, and he is pretty much like a badass and so salty. Um, you know, it, it really adds to the story, but in addition to him, um, I can't say any more on him, but because it'll spoil it. No, no spoiler. To, uh, it ties into the creatures that I add in this, um, that, uh, that, uh, I created, they're called the Shadowborn, and, um, they are, so I'm going to do like my elevator pitch and no, please do because if, if I give it away now, like that, that'll just be gone. So this book is very much like a Loki meets uh, the Fae book. So you have exciting creature myths, um, slow burn, ro burn romance characters that you love to hate um, and just want to throw your book. Um and uh, the Shadowborn, which are tiny skeleton creatures that are made of shadow and fire, um, a Cerberus and a Nightmare horse that's made of flame, and my female main character that refuses to give up and let the gods control her. Okay, so. that was that was a good answer. <laughs> so which. Which tropes do you feel like Shadow and Brimstone hits the best? Um, it definitely has um, found family, um, close proximity, faded mates, and enemies to lovers are the are the ones that feature in Shadow and Brimstone. So, what subgenres would you place this into? Um, if you if you care about such things, stock is anti genre. I'm not anti-subgenre obsession. I I totally <laughs> agree, but I asked my awesome. editor, and she told me uh, dark epic fantasy, and uh, yeah. All right, you're gonna not be invited back if you keep agreeing with Doc. That's not how this show's supposed to work. That is exactly how this uh, show works. You come on, we make fun of you. You decide that you know. Something's wrong. I don't know why. <laughs> Breathing, oxygen, air, and event, and you put up with it. And the guest has a lot of fun, and the audience has a lot of fun. And for some reason, people think that you're like they don't understand that this is your way of um, your masochistic. Like the psychoanalysis. <laughs> All right. Well, I blame since you. we're about to dive into the book. So since we're about to dive into the book, we've got to ask you the important question to see if you fully agree with Doc or not. Pineapple on pizza? Yes or no? I eat pineapple on pizza. I do. Yes! Oh, good God. Doc, she's she's on the ban list. But in the meantime, what can you tell us about the story itself, what, the main character? What what makes her unique, do you think, in the crowded field of uh, fantasy? Um, She has red hair. You don't meet a lot of main characters that you know, have red hair, but she also, um, has a memory problem, um, which you start in the middle of her story and you're kind of like finding out everything that makes her special, but she also isn't afraid of grotesque and fantastical creatures. She, she thinks that they're cute and cuddly and she just wants to be friends with them all. So she's really like a Disney princess. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm sorry. I'm remembering the scene from Wreck-It Ralph. Yeah. Are you, do you need help? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> so she just, she's okay. just great, like, in herself. Um, she's like, she's like a the classic Persephone uh, when you meet her and then you find out that she has a greater power of her own and she's not afraid to hurt people to make shit happen. Nice. Okay. So doc, you relating? I am um, relating. Were there, <laughs> were there any secondary characters that, uh, that were specific or especially memorable to you? Um, so my male, um, He's main character, not main character, um, sub-main character. He is right here. This is Galen. and uh, He's been he staring very, over your shoulder the entire time. It's I know, very right? distracting. Like, oh. Um, he is very memorable. He is um, a fey god. Um, so... He has lots of powers and lots of fun, but he's also um, like just the right thing that Andraste needs at just the right moments in her life. Okay. So if, so how do you keep him from being too perfect then? Because he is a God and that kind of can make them OP in some worlds. Well, he's just perfect, but he, uh, no, he's just perfect. Mm -hmm. Sometimes <laughs> he can be a little bit too lenient with her bullshit, and you're kind of like, come on, just like yell at her, but he knows that she needs like tenderness or reassurance. Instead of just telling her to like buck up, he allows her to be, um, to be childish at times and just ignores her he's very much the person like if you try to fight with him he's not going to do anything he's just going to walk out of the room and leave you by yourself that okay. sounds therapeutic <laughs> he's fantastic he's everybody's favorite character okay well that's a good thing all right, Doc, ask about your favorite characters in the stories. The bad guys. Oh. The bad guys. Which one? D I'm sorry. You I'm, always seem to like the bad guys better. I don't know why. That's just you're weird like and evil. I like the bad Doc. guys better, but I do identify with them fairly well. <laughs> so I mean, is not, there a main bad guy in the story that you can tell us about without uh, giving away too much? So there's a couple of different, like, I don't know, like, uh, not very bad guys that you still like to hate. And then the one main bad guy, he is, he is just like, you love to hate him. Like, he, he seems insane throughout the whole book. And you're not quite sure. He says, like, off the wall references. <laughs> Um, and you're not quite sure like where he's coming from because this, this book is a mind game. Like you have to pay attention and put the pieces together. Um, since yeah. And so you get to the end and you're like, oh my God, like this is why he acts like that. And then you hate him even more. 
So on a scale of Darth Vader to the lady that canceled Firefly, how evil is she? This, this are body. you sure it was a lady like who came to Firefly? That seems like a male choice. No, it was a female uh, director. I, I had her name memorized at one point in time, but I can't remember I would, anymore. I would definitely say that she is the, the person that canceled Firefly and took it off of uh, Netflix. Oh, really? That really hated person, huh? Mm-hmm. It's pretty bad. Uh, it was Gail Berman. I remember they did it. Looks it Bill up. Berman. Yep, I had my phone and I Googled it. Don't I was gonna pretend like I could remember. <laughs> Nobody's gonna Thanks believe that. that call me out. <laughs> yeah, whatever. We'll I'll move on. Agree to keep the fantasies in the stories. Now you remind me, geez, where were you 10 minutes ago? Right here, wondering what All right, Doc. Doing. <laughs> All right, Doc. Next question. Next question. Okay. So, if your characters met you in a black back alley and they knew you were responsible for all the good, the bad, the in between that happened to them, how do you think you'd fare? Um, I think that Galen would laugh at me and pat me on the back for my cleverness. I think Andraste would try and kick my ass. Um, and I don't care about the bad guy. Um, and so in my, in my book, like there are the fates, which are named the Mori. So I kind of like to think of myself as one of the Mori, the fates that pull everybody's strings. And if they get too out of hand, I'm just going to cut their threads. So. <clears throat> JR, are you Dark? okay over there? That was, she was just like, I'm just going to end them. I mean, I mean, it's true. Yeah. That's kind of part of her job, particularly in dark fantasy. Especially if you're George R.R. R. Martin. Fact. That man is very interesting with how he utilizes plot armor. Because I think he does utilize it. It's just cruel. Yes. I think it is, I think it is less plot armor, more how do I torture the reader. Mm-hmm. So and people yeah, sounds right. coming back for more. Oh no, I once was talking with somebody and I did not realize that we were being overheard, and this person was like a trauma therapist, and she's like, Oh my god, you guys are being really abused. And we were like, um <laughs> the whole fandom's being abused. Okay. Right? Yeah, no, so I mean, you know, it was okay. She didn't like she was just catching like bits and pieces and so she was very concerned <laughs> we told her to go get the book I mean, she you do. understand and probably be just as guard as we were right so um getting into though jr loves to ask about this so he's sharing tonight because he told me it's caring or something but what is your favorite archetype uh, my favorite archetype is definitely um, finding one's own power and strong female leads. Jay, are you okay over there? Yeah, I'm just nodding so, along. In the grand scheme of things, this you may be a pantser, you may be a plotter, but have you ever had something where you wrote it and you went, I love this scene, but it doesn't fit? 
but I cannot toss it out. So I'm going to use it, use it for something else. Yeah, that happens all the time because I'm a pantser. I will not plan anything. I have a general <laughs> like direction of where I want it to go. So and you're dark chaos. Yes, very much. Not only that, but I write on nine. Sorry. I write on nine manuscripts at a time. Holy Ow. Jesus. Yeah. So JR is confused just trying to find the letter nine. Number so nine. it it uh builds so, my creativity. Uh, So, so like nine, like book one through nine in one series, you just hop around in order chronologically or talking about nine different books and nine different IPs. Yep. Nine different books. So all of the books I will write, uh, will all be in the same world, whether they're spinoffs of like the major series or just like, there's a whole, uh, series called just tales of the fader off, which will be different stories that happen you know, not in the God's perspective and not featured in a series. Um, so they're just, they're just ideas either in a series or a standalone or a spinoff or whatever else. I, I just can't fathom nine at a time. Wow. Okay. We call some people, uh, they have genre ADHD, but it sounds like you have like project ADHD. Uh-huh. I that get easily bored. Um, but I like I find it really therapeutic because like as I'm typing away on one story, I'll find out uh an idea for another story and it boosts my creativity for there and then so on, or I'll cut something just like uh just like Doc was saying, and I'll put it somewhere else. Um, so it it really helps me to do that and it's I feel like, like you're probably very muse driven yeah yeah okay so that is <laughs> unique uh, yeah okay overwhelmed so, like, JR <laughs> so you mentioned that all of the books you're telling are in the same world so what can you tell us about the larger universe that is the sort of the incubator of all of your stories? So my world is called the Faderoth, and we have a huge main continent. Um, and then we have a southern continent that has uh, dragons and um, like it's heavily inspired by the Middle East. Um, we also have vast seas that have monsters in them um, and different gods. We also have demons and a demon realm, um, which you'll get to find out how the demon realm was made with someone behind me. Um, and uh, just like fantastical creatures, like I have creatures in there that are inspired from Dungeons and Dragons and Critical Role. Um, they're inspired by those because those are things that like I find super cool um, in the Forgotten Realms. Um, and then mythology creatures and they just run amok and kill people and um, create other fun stories and some of them are kind of sentient beings and um, yeah. That's the fader off. Okay, so 
obviously that this story, the shadow and brimstone is, is listed as a series on the cover. So there will be more like how long do you see this series going? I mean, obviously the other books could be in the universe, but not the series, but this specific arc. So this arc will have three books in it. Um, I don't think that I can come up with any more um, for this plot line, but each book um, is probably going to be between five and 700 pages. So my kind of book. Yeah. <laughs> the Shadow and Brimstone. Uh, I looked at it and it was like um, 620 when I was formatting it the other day. So pretty big. Wow. That is long. Um, That's what she said. So you're trying to give Sanderson a run for his money. It sounds like. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean that's classic overachiever I guess I can relate to that a little bit so obviously you know if this is fantasy I'm, I'm guessing it's standard medieval style technology yeah but what about magic what kind of magic system um, is out there does everybody know about the magic system like what can you tell us about that so everybody has everybody knows about magic so uh, the gods and their respective pantheons um, have their own magic system. Um, pretty much like the Greek gods, you're born with a gift and that's how you get to use it. Um, and then mortals do not have magic. They can't wield magic um, except for Andraste. And um, oh my gosh, who else is in there? Um, so the, you have the elves that, uh, run on, uh, component magic. So they have to have spell components, um, and magic pretty words to make their spells happen. And then there are the fae themselves, um, which are like the apex, um, the apex race. Uh, they are pretty like the elves and stronger, faster, better in all ways. And they have innate magic that they get to use. That's specific, like kind of like the gods uh, magic that they get to use. So there's really like four classes of magic. Um, but there's also like demons in their pantheon have their own uh, magic class and how they wield their magic and things like that so okay so you mentioned that the humans couldn't use or the mortals couldn't use magic but can they use magical items like i don't know a magic sword or you know yes that kind of thing they could yep they just can't create the magic themselves and do you have those in your story then like the the magical items i do um, in Shadow and Brimstone, uh, she is a healer, um, uh, as one of her, like, sub-arcs, um, so she has magical items that she talks about all the time and are really personal to her, um, in Shadow and Brimstone. Okay, so how did... <laughs> The name is very evocative, Shadow and Brimstone. So how did you come up with the name for this series and the story? So um, 
This is actually a huge rewrite from my debut novel called A Voice Like Shadow and Brimstone um, that I published last year. And um, nobody liked the title. Nobody liked the cover. Like I had people that were really irritated with the story, um, unfortunately. But I listened to the feedback. And so we had you know, several months of re-editing and um, pushing this one out there. And then Amazon told me, oh, well, you can't update the book and everything with the name it has. Like, you have to have a new name. And I was like, oh, okay, which is kind of perfect because nobody liked that name anyway. And um, my editor and I were talking and was like, well, you could just use Shadow and Brimstone because it's reminiscent of the old of the old uh title and it kind of plays on Lee Bardugo shadow and bone um yeah. so it's catchy and people would be able to remember the two or confuse them so either way it's it it worked okay I, I mean I dig it um <laughs> are, are you gonna try to keep the titles themed for the the follow-on books or yes Go uh, as yes. the muse dirt you are. Yep. Okay. So fire and brimstone might be next. Um, I, you know, I haven't even thought about it yet. Um, I usually come up with things when, when it is, um, when I'm writing. So we'll see, but I'll put that one on the list for sure. <laughs> All right, doc. I interrupted your questions enough. I'm not going to steal them from you though. So you get to ask 37. I give you permission to ask. <laughs> Put the knife down. This is wow. YouTube. JR, you know I'm ordering pizza tomorrow night, right? That's not my problem that you're polluting it. Your sins you will answer for. I'm not. I happen to have your address. I'm ordering it for you. You wouldn't be that cruel. All right, ask the next question. Okay, of all the tech, or in this case, magic, you've invented for your world, what is what you would want for daily use in ours? Um, I would, <coughs> pardon me, um, I would definitely want, um, like, fey innate magic, because in my world, they have, like, like, elemental powers, or, you know, um, Another another creature that you'll meet in Shadow and Brimstone controls minds. Um, and that is definitely one that I would like to have is mind control and um, mind illusion. Oh, and that's um, how would you use that? I would be the worst person ever with it. I'm not even going to lie. Like if I wanted that and you wouldn't give it to me. Sorry, like it's mine anyway. Like you're just going to remember giving it to me and being happy about it. Like, I mean, it works. I'm pretty sure that's how my kid ends up with pizza every Friday night. I know. You do pizza Fridays too? We do pizza oh, Fridays yeah. every night. The nice thing is he's finally old enough to microwave it for breakfast the next morning without waking me up. <laughs> nice. That sounds really <laughs> lame, but uh, I get it. I don't I'm know. A mom. I take every small Pizza's leftovers is meant to be eaten cold. He he does not That's want it cold. The way the he wants it warm. He'll understand someday. So 
I tried to get a wow, that's, So if you could live in this world, uh, Maggie, um, would you? Yeah, I would. I would totally. How much live plot there. armor would you have to have? <laughs> um, you know, I'm fairly formidable in real life and everything, so I feel like I wouldn't have to have a whole lot of plot armor. Um. In, to be able to survive so I just think that highly of myself <laughs> nice confidence I can dig it I can dig it all right so clearly this interview is winding down but was there anything about shadow and brimstone that we didn't ask you that you wanted to tell us um no it's just fantastic like you know I'm kind of kind of biased and everything but it's a really good long story, um, lots of character progression and, um, you know, a different dark take on some fun mythology. And if you give it a try, I'd love to hear, like, what you have to say about it and see if it has redeemed itself in the eyes of some people. There you go. Okay, so is this... This has, we're recording this pre-publication. Um, so will this be out in ebook and print and audiobook or just like what, what formats will be coming out at? So um, it will be published uh, this summer in uh, ebook, paperback, and hardcover. And then the audiobook will be released sometime later this fall. Nice. Yeah. And will this be going wide or Amazon exclusive? It will be uh, wide, yes. So it'll start on Amazon, and then within a little bit, it'll be at Barnes and Noble and Waterstone and everything else. So I'm gonna get it at Barnes and Noble. Barnes and Noble will have Doc a anti hardcover um, and dust jacket in probably like July-ish. So See, I, I, I am like, right. like I even have like Barnes and Noble book log. <laughs> yes. Yes. Jr. just doesn't she, like. She has an addiction. Because, um, he can't grocery shop there like he can with Amazon. <laughs> I don't get people that shop their groceries on him. That just seems weird to me. I go to Kroger like a normal human being. I mean, if I can't but anyway. order it on on Walmart Deliver, then it doesn't come to my house. <laughs> Fair. So before we let you go, dear listener, dear viewer, we'd like to remind you to please be kind and speak your mind on the reviewing platforms. Your reviews help the right readers find the right books. So do your part. And um, if you don't leave enough reviews quickly enough, uh, I hear a bear and a moose will come to her house in Alaska and try to eat her for dinner. And we wouldn't want that to happen. So no. do your part. They're both mean. No? They're both mean, but, you know. Yeah, they're both mean. The but the flies will get you up there too you can be like Smokey the bear and prevent my demise by leaving a review <laughs> there you go people so do your part it's your civic duty after all all right maggie dunrock how can listeners find you on the wild wild interwebs and as usual it will be in the show notes i am on instagram and twitter as uh author underscore maggie underscore dunbrock and on Twitter as Maggie Dunbrock, all one word. And also my uh, website is ravenswoodpublishinghouse.com. 
So, oh, and I do have a Facebook group called Maggie's Witchlings if you would like to be a part of the fun in there as well. All right. And I have all of that linked in the show notes because her unique spelling might make it a little difficult for you to find. And that's okay. Did you consider like making it more, uh, I guess, Anglicanizing it to make it easier for people to find you? Or do you like being special? Um, I thought about it, but then I'm like, you know, they're going to remember that I have a messed up first name and they're not going to know how to spell it. So they're going to remember it either by the title or uh, Maggie uh, that's spelled funny, or they're going to relate it to Merida if they've seen um, the movie Brave, because I guess the the world that she lives in is Dunbrock, which I hadn't realized so, um, yeah, so there's lots of ways to remember it. Okay. I will say if you get even where, anywhere close, Amazon auto finishes it for you. Oh, really? Yeah. That's probably due to me. <laughs> that helps. So many times. <laughs> maybe, maybe. All right. So you can find us, dear listener, over on Twitter at twitter.com backslash SF underscore fantasy underscore show. Sierra Foxtrot underscore fantasy underscore show. You can email us at blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com. Again, blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com. We have a Facebook group where all the shenanigans happen at facebook.com backslash groups backslash a blasters and blaze podcast. Again, backslash groups backslash a blasters and blaze podcast. We do have a Blasters and Blades Facebook page. Doc will eventually get that set up for us. But in the meantime, we will continue to harass her because it's what we do and we enjoy it. Uh, but if you want to look for it, it is there. Uh, we also have a website at anchor.fm backslash blasters tech and tech blades again anchor.fm backslash blasters dash and dash blades we have where you can support the show for as little as 99 cents a month you can help keep the lights on these shows aren't free to produce or you can support the show more directly at buymeacoffee.com backslash author jr handley again buymeacoffee.com backslash author jr hanley be sure to put in the comment section that is for the podcast and i promise i will keep my co-hosts doc seska and nick garber duly intoxicated they will drink until their liver surrenders never surrender i, I mean we haven't used that one in a while doc so i figured it's time to bring it back i it sounded know. like you could use a beer tonight i dig it it's been a long week not a bad week just a long busy one so you haven't blown the lab up yet, have you? Not yet. Okay, I'm just saying I've seen fire trucks there before. I'm not I saying it was your fault, but I'm not not saying it either. You know what? My car was in the way, so it was definitely not my fault because I love my car. So I would not risk her. Anyway, going <laughs> okay. back to the most important part of the night. Thank you for joining us, dear listeners. Remember, you are part of why we do this show. Because really, otherwise, we'd just be hanging out and talking. Um, but we wouldn't be having so much fun with the books. So be sure to comment, like, follow, share. Thank you for joining us. For the absentee Nick Garber, the adult brain JR. I mean, have you met him? He really is. I am Seska, and this was the Blasters and Blades podcast. We'll be back next time. Same time, same day, something, something. <laughs> Thank you. I'm leaving.